You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, on iTunes, on Google Play. Wherever you find podcasts, you'll find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin, and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. You can also find us on the all-new Himalaya podcast app. Today, we are going to continue our mock draft series of sorts. Yesterday, we turned our attention to the 12th overall pick. I wrote about it at Acme Packing Company about potential options, potential scenarios that Green Bay could find itself in, and what the best options were at the 12th pick. Obviously, the 12th pick is easier to project than anything after that because we have a little bit more certainty and fewer potential options in that specific spot. Not because there aren't more players that can be drafted, because there are, but because we have a little bit more certainty in predicting the 11 players who are likely to go ahead of the Packers when they theoretically pick at 12. We don't know if they're actually going to pick at 12. So at 30... Now we're in the position of trying to project the 29 players likely to go in front of the Packers, the the options that are on the board, and the tact Green Bay could have in assessing what their needs are, what the values at the positions are, and where they should go from that point. And it cannot be discussed without context. In this case, at the very least, we have to consider the players they are likely to take at 12 and how that could relate to their thinking at 30. We know Brian Gutekunst isn't afraid to say, if I took a corner and the next time I pick the best player on the board is a corner, I'm going to pull that trigger. He's not afraid to double up at positions, and Ted Thompson has in the past doubled up at positions. Ted Thompson doubled up at quarterback in in a draft after taking Aaron Rodgers in the first round, took Brian Brom in the second round. And a lot of people thought, Merrill Hodge included, and especially thought Brom would be the guy in Green Bay. I don't have to tell you, he and a lot of other people were wrong. I was someone that really liked Brian Brom. And I, I, I did not have feelings on Brom versus Rodgers, but I thought Brian Brom was going to be good. And I was wrong. Uh, that's not the point of this discussion. What we're trying to do here is parse options at 30. I think it is Green Bay's intention to take an offensive lineman in one of these three picks. If they take one, though, at 12, it could free them up to get a little bit crazier with the rest of the draft. I think that is something that is really important to remember here. 30 is a luxury pick. They got this in their their trade with New Orleans. Obviously, that is we don't have to relitigate any of that. 
But if you look at the holes on this team, the real pressing need, first of all, there isn't really one this year unless you consider free safety uh, a really pressing need. I don't think Green Bay does. If I thought they did, I you know they would be maybe more aggressive in targeting a free agent there. But in terms of starting positions, we've had this discussion on the show before. There aren't that many up for grabs. If more, I mean, there's like one or two, really. I mean, that are genuinely up for grabs. They don't have long-term solutions at tight end, at right tackle, or right guard, depending on how they feel about Billy Turner, or free safety. And we don't know what the the succession plan is going to be at receiver next to Devontae Adams. Is Geronimo Allison going to win that job and earn a, a contract? Maybe. Is... Equinemius St. Brown going to come forward and, and be a factor and be a player and be someone that can be a legitimate number two receiver? It could happen. It could be in play. But certainly there's no guarantees there. So you look at that group, offensive tackle, right tackle is a premium position. It is a need. And so it's not surprising that Green Bay would be looking at all of these offensive linemen in the draft, all of these offensive tackles, because offensive tackle is really the only kind of offensive lineman Green Bay is willing to draft. If they take Andre Dillard or Jonah Williams at 12, are they satisfied with that? Is that enough? If they're sitting there at 30, do they still say, well, you can never have too many? Does the depth that they got with Turner and now that they're getting Cole Madison back, does that play into their thinking at all? I I think in a vacuum, someone like Cole Madison is not going to impact their first round draft pick. I think in a vacuum, Billy Turner is not going to impact their first round draft pick. But if they think Turner is a future right tackle and and a good option and they think Madison is a future right guard and a good one, then they might have a different viewpoint of doubling up at the position. So I think barring a blue chip defender falling offensive line is going to be a pick either at 12 or at 30. So who are some of those guys? Who are the players potentially in play for Green Bay? Dalton Reisner is the name that that has come up a lot. I find it hard to believe he'll be there at 30 if he is. He makes sense for a lot of the same reasons Jonah Williams does and the discussions that we've had about him. His ability to play right tackle or right guard make him more valuable to a team like Green Bay because maybe they don't know what Billy Turner's best position is in this offense. If they can find it and then they can have Reisner play the other one, well, that makes putting together an offensive line much easier. That is a potentially very good option. I think Dalton Reisner is one of the 10 to 12, 14, somewhere in there, best players in the draft. I said yesterday he is a red chip player for me. He is going to come in and he is going to set a tone. He is a culture setter at offensive tackle. He's a little bit older, not ideally athletic for what Green Bay is looking for. But if he's there, I think he's really good. He makes sense. Are there going to be other offensive tackles available at 30 that that could appeal to Green Bay? Probably. Chris Lindstrom is going to be around. He's going to be available. Now he is one of the guys, one of the few players 
at the position, despite the fact, as Jason Hirshhorn said last week on the show, despite how Packers-y Lindstrom is, the Packers have not shown significant interest in him. Now, they've shown interest in just about everyone else at the position in the top 50. So you have to believe he's still on the radar. doesn't mean they're not interested. It could just mean they don't have any follow-up questions. I mean, it really is sometimes just that easy. And then, you know, you have to go a little bit further down the list. I think Juwan Taylor makes sense in that range, but he's going to go higher. So he's probably off the board. It would be a reach to have a conversation about Caleb McGarry at 30. I think not that big a reach. I have him as a top 40 player. I think he's somewhere in that like 32 to 39 range. That ju- that borderline first round, second round type player. My assumption is there's going to be better players on the board because the NFL is going to take someone like Rashawn Gary who doesn't belong in the first round. They're going to take someone like Daniel Jones who doesn't belong necessarily in that, who isn't at least a top 32 player in a vacuum. His position is going to is going to push him up, and and you know that makes sense. I guess you can understand the logic there. Lindstrom and Reisner are the likeliest and best options at offensive line. When you get down a little bit further at 44, that's when I think, you know, Chris Lindstrom is that's that's the more likely range for him to go. Caleb McGarry in that same range. There aren't a ton of options. They need to get someone at either 12, 30, or 44 to fill that void. And I just, 44 might be waiting too long. Because there's a significant drop-off in talent after that. I'm I'm not huge on Titus Howard or Chuma Idoga or someone like that. Those are developmental players. They're further down the list. Those are guys that maybe at 75 you feel good about, but they're going to go higher than that. I, I don't see it. I don't see the value of those guys there. So if you want an offensive tackle, and it looks like Green Bay certainly does, 12 makes sense. A trade down, as we discussed yesterday, makes sense. And 30 makes sense. Chris Lindstrom is the most likely guy to be there. But if Reisner falls, I think he's, he's you know, if not best case, one of the best case scenarios for Green Bay in terms of player falling, especially if, you know, if they walk out of this draft with Ed Oliver and Dalton Reisner in the first round, I mean, it's, it's a Christian Yelich home run or Montez Sweat and Dalton Reisner, or even Jonah Williams or Andre Dillard and Dalton Reisner, I don't, I mean, frankly, I don't care. There's nothing more important than protecting Aaron Rodgers. Throw darts at the position and fix it. Get it done. Now, I think there's there's going to be opportunities there to do it that they don't have to double up, and I think it's unlikely that that Dalton Reisner is going to fall that far. So, you know, the the plan might just be taken out of their hands in that way. But in the first round, they're going to have the opportunity to take one of Jonah Williams, Andre Dillard, and Dalton Reisner, and I don't think it's crazy to take Reisner at 12. I think he is relatively close to those other two guys I have him in the same tier if Green Bay goes rogue at 12 it might be for someone like Reisner if he falls to 30 I think that becomes a no-brainer move for the Packers I don't see the Packers taking a receiver at 30 
I understand the appeal for a lot of people. I don't see it. Now, TJ Hawkinson's not going to fall. Noah Fant, probably not going to fall. So that leaves Irv Smith Jr. It leaves Jay Sternberger, whose name I've, I've apparently been mispronouncing this entire offseason. It leaves Irv Smith Jr., Dawson Knox, and then some of the guys further down the list. Green Bay has shown interest in those first-round tight ends. I think if Green Bay had its ideal draft, they'd come out of the first round with a tight end and an offensive lineman. If they could just wave a magic wand, I really think that's how they would prioritize these positions based on the kinds of players they've shown the most interest in over the course of this pre-draft process. And given where their needs are, they're looking at first-round tight ends. They're looking at first-round offensive tackles. Now, they're looking at some first-round players at other positions too, edge, has that need dissipated after and that interest dissipated after what happened in free agency? Maybe, maybe not. If Noah Fant falls to 30, okay, run the card in. I don't think that seems likely. I am still someone who believes Irv Smith Jr. at 30 is reasonable value. I would take him in the first round. I know that the athletic numbers at the combine were not crazy good. He still ran 4 6. I was watching uh, an Alabama game earlier yesterday, and he kept jumping out to me. The straight line speed, I understand, not hugely fluid in against man coverage, not going to change directions and wow you. I know what I see when I watch these tight ends play until their late 30s. Jason Witten is going to go out and catch passes next year on intelligence, on guile, and on just a feel for the game, a feel. I think feel is often an underrated trait when we're talking about these players. Irv Smith Jr. has feel. And in an offense where you're not going to ask him to consistently beat man coverage, you're going to create opportunities for him. If he's just open because of the play design and you get him the ball in open space, he can take a two-yard pass and turn it into 25 pretty easily because of his speed. He's got that easy speed. So if you create openings for him, if you can create lanes for him, then you have opportunities to really do some interesting things in the offense, and he can block. I know he's a little undersized. He can block into tight end formations. He can be a guy, a third, three tight end formations. Let him play H-back with Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis in year one and develop. He's still only 20. So you have the opportunity to develop a player and... And mold him into something useful, more useful than maybe he is now. I'm here for that. I think you can make the case he's going to be there at 44. There are players at 75 you might really like. I'm just saying if the Packers do it, I will be fine with the value there given what I think about Irv Smith Jr. That said, I think there are other pass catchers who are in play who could really be fun options. It looks like there's a chance that there's only one receiver taken in the first round, and a lot of people think it's going to be Hollywood Brown, despite the foot injury. Well, if DK Metcalf is there at 30, I understand the misgivings about his changing directions, and I understand what the advanced analytics say about his production at Ole Miss. I know what I watched. I know what I saw when I watched him play. And yeah, he can he can float a little bit in and out of games. And yeah, when, when Ole Miss needed a first down on third and six, they threw the ball 
to not DK Metcalf. They threw the ball to A.J. Brown. Part of that was the way that they built their offense. They built it around that slot receiver, and A.J. Brown was there. DK Metcalf in this offense could wreck people, get down the field, create on posts, on go routes, on slants, use that speed, that size, speed, length combination, and just kill people down the field. Aaron Rodgers would love to throw him four, five, six, go, post, corners, a game. Would love that. Would love that. And he would be a great compliment to Devontae Adams. If we're going to talk about receivers at 30, Nikhil Harry, someone Green Bay likes, 6'3", 226, 4'5", speed, so not the same kind of burning speed that DK Metcalf has, but could play some complementary football to Devontae Adams, could develop in a way like Devontae Adams had. Wins at the catch point right now, a lot like Devontae did at Fresno. Walked onto campus at Arizona State, dominating dudes in the Pac-12, and I just really like his game. I like his ability to create after the catch. And I think he would be a talent infusion that they could really use at receiver. But if Green Bay is not going to go that route, I think they're going to have plenty of other options, plenty of other good, decent options to talk about. I just think they want to get a pass catcher. I think they want to get a tight end or a receiver with one of these picks if they can. And I I do think it's a priority for them. Are they going to reach? No. But are there players that they could value more than other teams? Given what we know about the rest of the league and the way they value receivers, I think there's a good chance. Now, this, this brings up another conversation that is worth having. And that is about a trade up scenario from 30. If some of these guys start falling, we're going to talk about that right after this. So I want to talk about the trade-up situation in regard to a trio of players that I really like and that I like for Green Bay. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Jonathan Abram, and Darnell Savage Jr. For slightly different reasons in the case of Abram, but those are three safeties I really like and could fill obvious needs for Green Bay. I think Gardner Johnson is a top 15 player. I think Jonathan Abram is a top 20 player. And I think Darnell Savage is a top 25 player. I put together a scenario yesterday that was trade from 12 to 15, get that 76th pick from Washington, and use it to trade back up into the low 20s for one of these players. If they could get out of the first round with... Andre Dillard and or TJ Hawkinson. That would be pretty great. If they can get out of the first round with Jonah Williams and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, that would be pretty great. If they could get out of the first round with Dalton Reisner and Darnell Savage Jr., that would be pretty great. And that gives them so many options here to address this, this cadre of needs is maybe the wrong word, but, but it's a search for answers. Where are the answers coming from? When you look at the value of this draft, this is why I continue to believe offensive line is at, at 12 makes the most sense. You need to get that guy early. It is not the case that you need to get that safety early. There are going to be a ton of guys 
on the board at 30 and 44 that you could like and that could help you. That's not the case at offensive line. Once you get past that top group, it falls off really quickly. Tight end, there are guys in the first round, in the second round, in the third round, and even after that that I like. That could be useful. That could be helpful. We heard Ben Fennell make the case that this is not an offense that requires a virtuoso tight end talent. Now, that's not to say that it couldn't use one if it had one, but the wisdom to me says take the offensive line at 12. Get that future solidified. Whether it's at right guard or right tackle, I think Jonah Williams and Andre Dillard are good enough prospects to justify it. And by the way, Dalton Reisner not far behind. And then at 30, that is where you maybe can get into a little bit more of that luxury. But if you trade up, you can take a more targeted approach to addressing a situation that that you know you want to address. If you can get that offensive tackle, that offensive lineman at 12, and you really like him, then maybe it makes it easier for you, or 15 even, to say, even if they don't trade down, even if they don't add that pick, take your shot and move up to get a defensive player of your choice, to get TJ Hawkinson, to get Noah Fant. I, I would not operate like that. I I like the idea of moving down if possible to get from 12 to 15 because I still think they can get one of those offensive linemen that I really like. I don't love the wisdom of moving up from 30 in search of a skill position player, for example. So let's say at 12, they get Ed Oliver. And now, which I, by the way, fully support. But now they're wondering who's going to be available. Are we going to get one of these guys we really like? Then you have an opportunity to say, we think we need to move up to get one of these offensive linemen to be in a position to set our offensive line for the next five years. Then that's something that makes sense. I think perhaps more likely, and this is where some of the Drew Locke subterfuge comes in. It is the case, by the way, it can, it, and it can be the case that the Packers actually feel like Drew Locke is a decent guy, a decent player, and he is. I like Drew Locke. I don't love Drew Locke. I like Drew Locke as a prospect. Green Bay does not like Drew Locke enough to take him. But they would love for the NFL to think they liked him enough to take him. And this is something about reporting at this time of year. You always have to wonder, always ask yourself, who is benefiting from this information being out there? Does Green Bay benefit from telling you that they like Drew Locke? No. They don't benefit from other teams knowing their business. They benefit if other teams think they're going to take Drew Locke so that they trade up to 10 or 11 to avoid Green Bay taking Drew Locke. Or they trade up to Green Bay at 12 thinking, well, if he's on the board and we don't give them a good offer, they're going to take him. Or if, let's say, Drew Locke falls in the first round, because I think there's a case that all of these quarterbacks fall further than we think I think there's a, there's, a, there's a legitimate scenario, especially with Arizona, seeming like they're not going to take Kyler Murray now. 
where all these guys fall a little bit further than we thought they would originally, or at least thought they would in the last couple weeks. Could a team see him on the board at 28, 29, and even at 30 and say, if we want him, we got we to jump Green Bay. Or at least we have to trade with Green Bay because they could take him if he's there. They're not going to take him. You can walk off from, from the ledge, walk backward. That's an important caveat. Walk backward off that ledge. They're not going to take Drew Locke. But they would love for other teams to think they're going to take Drew Locke. And so that's why that information is out there. I think trading down from 30 is actually a more likely option and I think a a potentially good option. Now, I think someone like Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is going to be there at 30 and if he is, you just take him and, and not worry about value lost in a trade because I think he's a top 15 player. Okay, so that's that part's easy. Dalton Reisner, same deal. Top top 10 player maybe. But if someone is going to offer you, you know, a day two pick to move back four, five spots, six spots, like the Packers did with the Kevin King deal, then it becomes interesting because the heart of this draft is really from like 22 to 85. There are a ton of guys. I mean, I have, I must have 45 or 50 guys that I think are second round players, but only, you know, only really 21 players that I think are real first round picks. That is dovetailing and mirroring with what the NFL generally feels 12 to 15 to 20 legit first round players. Everyone else is borderline, but I think there is a ton of value in that second round. So if they can get, and even the third round, if they can get, a top 75, a top 80 pick to move back a couple spots out of the first round for a team that wants to get a quarterback and wants to get that fifth year of that quarterback, I think there is tremendous wisdom there and potentially really good value because there is this big cluster of players. I mean, I so I go through and I tier these players. And after 21, which is the last of the first round grades, I have 10 players in that borderline first round tier. Nine players in that high second round tier. And then after that, between 41 and 76, I have second round players. And then a bunch of guys in the second, late second. You have to go down to 80 before I start giving out third round grades. That's where the value of this draft is. That's where you want multiple picks. And right now, Green Bay has multiple picks, if they could add another one, then you're adding value because even if you're adding someone in the 60s or 70s, could you get Jay Sternberger at 70? Could you get Ja'Kai Polite at 75, 76? I mean, that that is still a situation that is very much in play. You could give yourself an opportunity to go for a player who maybe plays a premium position that you didn't necessarily think you were going to target earlier, but now you can take that guy. Now you can take a cornerback or an edge rusher that maybe you weren't going to originally target. That's the kind of flexibility a trade like that would bring you. All right, tomorrow we're going to focus on 44. Same exercise, same premise, same principles, and then we're going to push forward to the draft. Thursday morning, there will be a show out Uh, And, you know, I think I will spend some time 
previewing the 75th pick and who the Packers could take. I'm also going to spend some time getting caught up on the latest being talked about. If, if there is any news that has been broken, hopefully it is not outdated by the time you listen to the podcast. So be sure to be listening Thursday morning. Thursday on your commute home also works because the draft doesn't start until after dinner for most of you, depending on when you eat. So there's going to be plenty of time for you to listen to the Thursday show. I'm going to try not to preempt anything. Uh, I'll talk about what we know for sure versus speculating and also talk about the 75th pick and who the Packers could be looking for with that third round pick. Remember, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, on the all-new Himalaya podcast app. You can also follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Be checking out Locked on NFL, Locked on NFL Draft. Go check out our listener mock draft if you haven't already done it. A ton of great stuff going on there. Of course, Locked on Bucks is doing awesome work. The Bucks with the sweep. It's Bucks Celtics. We got a lot going on in Wisconsin sports. A lot to talk about. A lot going on. So you have to be focused. You have to be prepared. You have to be listening. And you have to be contributing. Hit me up on the Lockdown Packers fan hotline, 920-341-3775. It's the best way to stay engaged and to show that you are staying Locked on Packers. Locked on Packers.